0: If it was a little fireworks show, you probably would have been okay. Well, I suggested that we put a pole up in the air and run a cable and we tie my wife to it and let her slide down like Tinkerbell. (laughs) But she said, no, she wouldn't do it. Um, She didn't go for that? No, that was too big, she said.
1: Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Where we are here to make you happier. Olympics and happy life studios. What's up, happy lifers? I'm Steve-O. And I'm Tony. So, at <laughs> our last podcast about Sean White... Um, you were telling a failure story and I immediately thought of the fireworks story. Yeah, that's good that when I tell a failure story and you don't know which one it is, that says a lot about me. Because <laughs> I have a lot of them. True, but this is one of a thousand. None of them can be as good as the fireworks failure. Yeah, that was a big one. That was a, a poignant
0: moment in my life, to be honest. Um, poignant is a good word. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a turning point for me <laughs> in my life. So I love Disney World. And so every once in a while, somebody will help us out, and we've been able to go to Disney World a few times. And at the end of the night, they have the big firework show with the music, and it's emotional, and you're there with, like, I've been there when my kids were younger. And and
1: I I just need to say, too, Tony, that most people, when they go to Disney, they go to Disney for, for the rides, for the fun of their family. You and I go to the Disney to dream, Oh yeah, to go, I can do that at home. You know so so much fun, so that that emotional moment was something
0: I wanted to bring to our camp in Wisconsin for people with disabilities that I've always dreamed of. We have this big final night it's called The Night of a Thousand Stars, and we have a big talent show. We announced the winner of the team contest for the week, and it's just a very emotional and wonderful night, but I thought we could cap this off by having a small fireworks show with some music that went with it, <laughs> kind of a you know a miniature Disney thing, and I'd been dreaming about this for years. <laughs>
1: And you said small? No, even you. Your your name is Little Tony, but you don't do anything small or little. <laughs> okay, compared to Disney, you're thinking it's little, but no. Well, in my mind, anyway, <laughs> that's the problem. If it was a little fireworks show, you probably would have been okay. I'd like it to be as big as Disney's.
0: <laughs> I suggested that we put a pole up in here and run a cable and we tie my wife to it and
1: let her slide down like
0: Tinkerbell. She didn't go for that? No, she wouldn't do it. Jeez. That was too big, she said.
1: If she said yes, you would have found a way to put her on a cable for the flagpole down to the chapel. You would have done it and put wings on her and the whole fairy dust. And I would have done it. I would have tied her up there, yeah.
0: Be thankful that I'm not telling that failure story right now. <laughs> Remember my wife, Carol? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so we found uh, we found uh, one of our volunteers worked for a fireworks company and got all these fireworks donated, and we got the music queued. And the night before anybody was here, we, on the beach, set off all the fireworks, did a practice run, and it went incredible. And, and it was just, I was so excited. It was, like, going to be one of the great moments because I've been dreaming about this so long. And um, somewhere between the trying it the night before camp started and them actually doing it, Uh, One of my coworkers and partners here at Camp Daniel decided that um, he would build a better tube system to put the fireworks in to shoot off. Uh, But what what we didn't realize was that the tubes he had built were just a couple inches longer than the other tubes we had used to shoot the fireworks out of. And um, which created a problem, which we didn't know about till after the show started. So we got to the final big moment of camp and he was back there and he got to go and lit the fireworks, and we were all prepared for it to go off, and all of a sudden the fireworks shot right back at what seemed like at me. And I wasn't sure at first if he was aiming for me, or what was going on, but what proceeded to happen was that the fireworks, uh, the tubes were too long, and the fireworks didn't shoot up in the air. They only shot up in the air about seven, eight feet. So, And, and they were shooting back oh towards us, instead of away from us. <laughs> and, and so here we have 50 people who have varying degrees of disability and another 80 volunteers all around a big fire pit in a compact area with a stage,
1: music playing, and there's a firework show going off at us about two feet above our heads. And, and if you've never been to Camp Daniel, you have to realize that we have a section where we eat dinner, it gets so loud in there that we have to have a section for a bunch of people that can't handle noise because it's, it's, it causes them to panic and fear. And Right. There was that part too. That's just for dinner. Yeah. It's
0: a whole nother failure. Now you got Thanks. fireworks flying over your heads. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting showered with fireworks and ash and as it's a fight, <laughs> within about 12 seconds it turned into utter chaos everybody running in every direction people screaming and crying and it was just it was like a bomb was going off you know it was this horrible scene that you see on TV and wow. I, so i'm just standing there and Like, I'm slowly realizing over a few seconds that, you know, my career and time is over as a camp director, that I had just blew it so big time. and Somebody was going to get hurt and go to the hospital, and I was going to have to take them there and say, I shot off fireworks in their face. Um, It's my fault. (laughs) And so I just, all this stuff just kind of overcame. I just, I stood there frozen. I started to cry. And I thought, man. I've just bought it oh, man. Um, until I was shaken out of my grief by DJ, who is one of the young men who used to live with us, uh, who passed away a few years ago, not from the fireworks, but from <laughs> something completely different. Uh, but he was he DJ is was blind and uh, he thought it was the greatest fireworks show he had ever been part of. So he was sitting in a chair next to me, just howling, saying, "Wow, this is great! I can't believe it! This is amazing!" Because it was so up close and personal for him. But he didn't realize the fireworks were just above his head, um, up yeah. close and personal. So I was kind of jarred from you know my own sadness to hear how excited he was. So there was one success story in this. Um, so, and we were, we were all so frozen as leaders. Nobody thought to run over and kick over the, the fireworks tubes. So they shot on the ground the other way. We all just let it ride. Well, after the five minute show was over, um, was basically nobody by the fires. There was people huddled, huddled in corners behind benches, laying on the ground, just <laughs> everywhere, like a war zone. Um, and it was just tears and crying and, and, um, I walked back oh, to my man. room just to c- gather myself for a minute and just started thinking about what had happened. And then I went back out, talked to the nurses. Well, it was a miracle. Nobody had gotten hurt, um, you know, physically. The, the fireworks didn't yeah. hurt anybody. I could imagine. And so I was so relieved over that. But then I realized that I had just caused chaos. So – um, I took my coworker with me and I said, come on, come with me. And, uh, he followed me around. I went to each cabin because it was bedtime at that point and went into, knocked on the door, went into every cabin. And I walked in tearfully and just told everybody in every cabin that I was sorry. And I promised that uh, we'd never shoot off fireworks like that again. And nobody would have to worry about, you know, none of that again. And, um, so we went from cabin to cabin doing that. And, uh, everybody was still kind of in shock. And um, we walked back to the dining hall and got ready for even a meeting when all the counselors come back and we have a meeting with them so they can kind of talk about the events of the day. Well, there was no other event that day to talk about except for the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. And so as I sat there, <laughs> I sat there for an hour contemplating – what to say and how I was going to actually, I, I, what, what I came to was that I need to resign and just say, I'm not fit to be leading this group of people. And, you know, I just, I blew it. There was no, nothing else I could say. And that's what I felt like. I felt like a, a horrible failure that I, I failed to, keep people safe. I failed to, you know, see what could go wrong. I was so caught up in the excitement and the emotion of the whole situation. Um, and it was a very personal thing instead of thinking about everybody else. So I decided that I was going to stand up and, and tell everybody I was going to resign. And so everybody filed into the meeting and I kind of sat in the corner and the meeting got started. And finally I stood up and I apologized again. I mean, I was sobbing at this point and, and I said, I'm not fit to lead anybody. I'm not fit to, to be a camp director. And, and so this is going to be my last meeting. And so just as I was about to say that I'm quitting and I'm done, a mother of one of the campers who happened to be there as a counselor, um, and her daughter was one of the most traumatized people there, because apparently she's deathly afraid of fireworks, a whole another thing that I never even thought about, um, oh, because man. it was such a selfish act that I was doing. It was a sneaking war zone. It was. It was <laughs> I can't even explain how horrible it was, but she interrupted me as I was in the midst of quitting. She stood up, she came over by me and put her arm around me, and this is a 50-some-year-old mom at the time, and had a... 20 some year old daughter there and said, um, the way you handled it after and you came around, and you apologized and you hugged all the campers. And now that you're in here expressing such remorse, she said, she put her arm around me and I'll never forget it. She said, you're the greatest leader that I've ever been under. And the way you've handled this is the way life ought to be handled. And she said, I would follow you anywhere. And I was in utter shock. Like I just, wow. I mean, I sobbed on her wow. shoulder and pretty soon everybody in the room had gathered around me and were expressing the same types of things and that there was no way I could ever quit and, you know, that they would easily all move on from this. And I walked away from that utterly changed that, you know, I thought that I knew something about leadership and I thought that I knew something about failure or being a success. But that moment taught me that really I knew nothing and that you know, God took that whole horrible thing and turned it into one of the great moments of my life let alone my leadership life wow. and so i think a lot about that you know when i see people with you know success and failure stories it wasn't that i won the gold medal for shooting off fireworks after that it wasn't right. anything like that it was <laughs> it was a moment where i was on my knees to be honest and um, totally humbled. And, and it was the fact that how people came around me. And again, we were talking back to the Sean White thing, how his family came around him. That's just what struck me. All the people that it took wow. to get him to where he was um, from where he had started right. with, you know, the issues
1: uh, right. at the last Olympics. Right. I mean, to have somebody say, I'll follow you anywhere to me are some of the most potent words you could ever get from anybody. I mean, it just hits me right in the gut with a whole, I'll follow you anywhere. And she said that, I mean, there isn't a higher compliment for me that you could say, I'll follow you anywhere. But she said that because of your failure, not because of your success. Right. And it's not just Sean White. Did you see the German loser (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I would never do the luge if I had a pick. I, he'd be called a loser all the time. So he was a loser, all right. I think he's won like four golds in the luge. So everyone was expecting him to win, and he was in the right place to do it. And and this is when Chris Mazder, I think his name is, the American, got silver in the luge. I think right. he might be the first guy that I don't know, but it was it was pretty cool. But so but this guy was going to come down, and you know he's going to take it, and he didn't get any medal at all. He was like Sean White. From the Sochi Olympics, the last Winter Olympics, he was expected to be the guy and everything was set up for him. And then he fails. He loses, <laughs> you know, and at the very end, he's gone through his thing and everyone's screaming Mazda got a silver because, you know, he didn't. The, the German guy didn't place so the American guy got a silver and everyone's excited. But a, they they finally took a camera and they showed the German guy who was still in his sled and his head was down. He was dejected, and all of a sudden, the announcer starts talking about what's going on, and all of a sudden, you see his coach come over and sit right down next to him, and then the announcer talks about how his coach is his father. Mm -hmm. It's his dad. And he said, and now he's taking off his coaching hat, and he's putting on his dad hat. I don't know why that motivated me so much. I don't even know this guy. But to to hear that and to see him take off his coach's hat and put on his dad hat, because he didn't need to be coached at that moment. He didn't need to be told what co- corner he missed it in and how he blew it. He didn't need that. You know what he needed? He needed a hug, you know? Yeah. And it's a good thing it wasn't the other way around, because those losers, have you seen their gloves? They got all these <laughs> spikes in them, you know, to help them on the push-off on the beginning. And so, like, when Master got silver and he's up in the crowd and he's hugging everybody, I have to admit... I kind of felt like Camp Daniel on that fireworks show. I mean, I was getting kind of, (laughs) I was getting very anxious and very nervous about, dude, you got spikes on the end of your gloves and you're hugging everybody, you know? So obviously, you know, you had to be pretty careful, but I think sometimes we got to take our coaching hats off and put on our dad hats, put on our friend hat, put on our human being hat and just give somebody a hug because it's in our failures, that our greatest successes can come out of. I think there's nothing more successful
0: than when people come around you and love you and lift you up and help you. And and it it always takes somebody being down for that to happen. And are we willing to be down? Are we willing to show that face? Are we willing to put ourselves in a place where we might fail? And then are we willing to kind of publicly face that? Or I could imagine for, you know, the, the loser in the Olympics that it it could be a hard thing to have your coach take off his hat and just be dad for a second. If you were worried about what people thought or, uh, something like that. But, you know, ultimately it's, it's, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, the love we have around us and, and how do we gather and get that love. It's not always by being the perfect son or the perfect dad or the, you know, perfect daughter or the perfect mom or whatever it is. I think that it's within our mistakes that, that, you know, when we mess up or we didn't, we didn't do what we thought we should do, it just opens the door for people to walk through and give us something completely different.
1: Yeah. Listening to you say that, when I said, I, I'm not sure why I was so moved. I know I always moved because I'm thinking of the relationship that he and his dad have now. And no one would ever pick to come closer to somebody to go through something like that, you know? Right. But the relationship between his dad has just got even greater than what it was before. Not because he won the gold. That obviously would bring them together too, but because he didn't win, there's a blessing sometimes to losing in front of a, a crowd where everyone knows that you lost. You know, and that's the thing with people with disabilities. When we go to Camp Daniel, they can't hide their disabilities, but we fail. I have failed so many times. I fail a lot. There is a reason I'm doing these podcasts with you because Tony, you mean so much to me because you've seen my failures and you still like me. You've taken off the coaching hat and you put a friend's hat on. And there's been so many times when you've, when you've embraced me, when you've hugged me, when you've told me it was going to be okay, when you helped me get through that, that whole point. And and that's one reason why I'm, I'm so close with you. But the, the point is, is that. Sometimes when we fail in front of everybody, everyone knows it. So then it's easy for people to see, wow, I – need to go put my dad hat on, my friend hat on, my human hat on, and I need to go give that guy a hug. I need to go, I need to go encourage that person. I need to send them an email. I need to send them a text. I need to, you know, call them. I need to go and just give them a high five or hug or tell them it's going to be okay. And, and people at Camp Daniel, we're, we're so much more patient with them because we can see their disability. We can see that they have an intellectual disability or they or they they struggle when they walk. So we're, we're more patient with them when they can't keep up or go as fast as the pace we want to go. But the thing for for you and me to be as close as we are is, Tony, I blew it, but I didn't have to let you know that I blew it because I could have hidden that. I could have hidden my failure and said, I don't want anyone to know that. But because I was vulnerable and I told you, this is how I'm feeling. This is what happened. You know The moments where you sat in tears like you did at Camp Daniel after the fireworks show, you've done that with me. Only you've done it over my pain over my hurt and my relationship with you is so much closer. My friendship with you is so much closer. And I wouldn't want to pick going through failure, going through struggle to become closer. But like you said, to get that kind of relationship out of somebody, it's worth it. You know, Sean White had a conclusion, you know, he got the gold and this last Olympics, you know, after not getting anything in Sochi and after going through that terrible incident we talked about last podcast where he had 60 stitches in his face and, and, but this, this loser, (laughs) this German guy, we don't know. He might not ever race in the Olympics again. He might not get a gold again. We don't know, you know, and there's a lot of us out there who have failed and we don't we don't get the gold around our neck to give us that that um resolution to it was worth all the pain. What would you say to those people?
0: Well, I think really it comes down to relationship ultimately what's the most important thing and and having you know a God who loves us and that we love and and having people around us who love us and that we love at the end that's the most important thing and um the victory, the winning. Those are good things along the way, but not quite as important as, you know, the people. And that's what real success is. And so whether something goes right or doesn't, it doesn't matter when you have all these other things. At Camp Daniel, we call that horribly wonderful. and Happy Life, we call that happy and crappy. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to explain it, but ultimately it's about setting ourselves up you know to to pick your dad as your coach maybe most people wouldn't do that but this is the benefit of it um those are those are things that we need to set ourselves up for um because you know most of us aren't going to win a gold medal or yeah. have some great victory and yeah. um, we're going to have to look for other ways to you know satisfy something within us and and be okay with how life is going and that's the way it's it's with other people that god puts in our path
1: and you- Will be happy too. people are the prize and you might not have the gold medal but you do if you have people you already have the prize you are a gold medal winner and you will be happy too. thank you so much for listening I hope that helped
0: devase